Hey guys, this is Joe. I haven't met that many happy people in my life. How do they act? What's up, guys? It's Eric. He went out with a bang, not a whimper. There are times when yesterday seems so far away. I feel like I was at my best when I was with you people. And yet so very close. The biggest mistake I ever made in my life was not trying harder to steal you away from Nick. When college friends from the 60s come together in the 80s, it's a time for memories. Getting away from you people is the best thing ever happened to me. <laughs> I mean, how much sex, fun, friendship can one man take? A time for laughter. <laughs> a time for tears. HBO brings you the feel-good hit of 1983, The Big Chill. It's about everything, uh, uh, suicide. Alex and I made love the night before he died. It was fantastic. Despair. But they're either married or gay. Where's our hope go? Lost hope, that's it, lost hope. Wise up, folks. We're all alone out there, and tomorrow we're going out there again. William Hurt and Glenn Close hit an all-star cast in this bittersweet comedy about growing up, The Big Chill. Saturday on HBO. You're listening to Worth a Late Fee, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. How you doing, Joe? Not bad, Eric. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Things are as, as good as they can be with everything that's going on So in the, in the crazy world. Awesome. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. With the last of our last episode, we are we filmed at, we record actually during the um, the storming of the Capitol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's crazy. It's been it's been a week. So it's that's been... not going on right now, as far as I know. I haven't checked my phone in thirteen seconds. But <laughs> as of right now, it's no. Yeah. As of right now, though, we've had other big news with politics, all that today. So it's been yep, every yep. every every week right now. It's been it's like something new, something big happening in the world. That <laughs> and the the biggest thing for me tonight is. The Bruins don't start till tomorrow, but the NHL season starts tonight. So that's right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's good. That's good who's, news. Who's playing tonight? Starting it off. Uh, this, uh, Pittsburgh and Philly are playing right now. It's in right a lot. When I came upstairs to record, it was two-two going into the third period. So nice rivalry game to get the season started. So um, other than that, uh, other stuff from we're watching. Um, so we're still watching Shit's Creek. Bree and I are still watching Shit's Creek. We're kind of going slow with that we just finished the second season which was awesome the in the finale the second season finale was awesome um and then when we're looking for something a little bit more serious to watch we've been watching the outsider on hbo i don't know if you saw i put it on the story for where the lead i but... did yes yeah I so did you though. okay i yeah i'm so far so we i think i think we got a, a handful of votes and it was like two thirds of the people said that i shouldn't keep watching it that like that it's not worth it but so far, we're, I think, five or six episodes through a 12-episode series. And so far, I like it. It's it's weird that I like it because it does have kind of like a little bit of a supernatural sort of thing, which I usually don't care for. But so far, I really like it. So I'm going to keep watching it. That's <clears throat> one season so far, right? The first season? It's... I think it's just going to be uh, a one-season show oh, okay like limited series okay uh, yeah i've only I've, I haven't really looked into that but i've i read about every so often on like different um reporting sites like vulture or whatever and do why that was but yeah there's this girl on it who her name's the actress's name is cynthia arrivo i don't know if you're familiar with her but she plays this character on the show holly and it's one of the most interesting characters i've i can think of in any tv show i've ever watched and and 
the, the actress Cynthia Erivo plays it so well to the point where I was like, my wife and I were like Googling her. We were like, what else has she been in? And so I watched the other day, I watched, um, she played Harriet Tubman in the movie Harriet. Okay. You saw that. I have. But, yes. Yep. So I watched that the other day just cause I was like, I'm so impressed with this Cynthia Erivo girl that I was like, I want to watch like, everything that she's been in. So that's what I've been watching. What about you? I've, uh, so Better Call Saul is going to be finishing up this year. Um, so I've been, or at least it's on its final season. I don't think I split up in two parts yet. Like they did with Breaking Bad, but it is on its final season. And I've been, I'm going through that slowly. Um, cause I, I've, I've watched it, but I just kind of want to get that refresher before the final season, because one thing about those careers and writers is they always throw like really good Easter eggs and things like to look out for. So I'm not sure if you've seen, have you seen Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul? I haven't. I okay. I'm the only person I know. I I I just can't get into. I know it's not. I know it's crazy because I, I I literally I don't know one person who's watched that show and not loved it. So I know it sounds really weird, but I just can't. It just doesn't draw me in. So it's it's a show like I think premise wise going into it, you probably think that now if if you watch thing a few episodes as someone who, like, who loves character development, I think you would love it. I think you would end up falling for both these characters and like the story arcs. And, and it's a show that is a rare thing now, planned. And they had an ending in mind and they they didn't drag it on. It went it, it, it went its route and it finished the way it was intended to finish. Yeah, I don't think, I, I wonder, I don't think that's a rare thing as far as shows wanting to do that. I think that's a rare thing as far as them I know. getting and that's, the freedom. And sometimes, like, they get, like, you look at Supernatural, for example. It was at the end of five seasons. They had a story arc for five seasons, and then it went on for five more years after the original arc, like, was ended. So it's, like, sometimes it's just so popular <clears throat> where they just can't end on their own terms, and they have to keep on going and going or get canceled. And that's – I know a lot of people – I haven't finished yet, but I know there are a lot of people who are upset that Shit's Creek only went six seasons – but the people that were involved in making it seemed very happy with it, that they got to tie it up how they wanted to and whatever. And I think that if I was on a show or if I was involved in the production of a show, that's how I would want it to. As much as it's tempting to take right. the extra money for the one or two more seasons, to be able to look back on it and be like, we ended it how we wanted to, you know. On a high better. note, yeah. You see <laughs> right. a lot of shows that, I mean, I, I don't want to give those examples because I don't hate later on the seasons but like the office for example is a huge example is a oh. huge huge example of you know i should have probably should have ended with michael scott leaving yep. or they should have ended it right around there like it's so it's you don't want it to go that route you don't want it to fizzle out either or to go the to go the ultimate bro uh, route entourage people trash on entourage but the first the first like handful of seasons were on of entourage were really good and if they yeah. could have and I and I liked I I was entertained by Entourage the whole way through, but if they could have ended it ended it like one or two seasons early, I probably would have had a better legacy. So yeah. yeah. And I also want to throw out so other than Better Call Saul, I have been playing Donkey Kong Country. I'm not sure if you ever played that game on the Super Nintendo, but replaying oh, yeah. the uh, old SNES games. Oh yeah, Donkey Kong Country, man, that game is wow. so hard as all hell, man. Like like it's it is so you you play games today. I'm like, I hear you know, that, and it's just so easy compared to the old classics. <laughs> my friend, my friend Scotty, who's like, I know we joke about me being a gamer, but Scotty's like a legit gamer. I know. When I talk to Scotty, he like he knows his stuff. It's fun talking to him. Yeah, and he um he says that too. I, I don't remember what game he was talking about recently, but he said he went back and played something, and he was like, 
man, I went back and played whatever. That game's hard. And I started laughing and I was and he was like, No, I'm serious. It's like really hard compared to games now. And I was like, Oh, really? Wow, I never would have thought that. <clears throat> but any anything else? Anything else new? No, that's I'm looking forward to uh we have Monday off, Martin Luther King Junior Day. So looking forward to that. A little break nice. from the classes and do you have work off that day as well? Monday are you work? I do not. I do okay. not. I, I'm working Monday, but okay. yeah. Um so yeah. Um you guys probably heard from Maybe, maybe you got it from our quotes. Uh, if not, you heard the trailer after. But today we're going to be talking about the movie from 1983, The Big Chill, which is a, a classic. I don't think that's saying much. I don't think that's saying too much. It's a classic. And uh, before I forget to say it, I'm going to be drinking a beer from Wandering Soul Brew Brewing in Massachusetts, which I've had, I think I've had one of the beers on the podcast before. For Casper, yes. For Casper, yes. But um, this one, what did I have for Casper? Do you remember? I don't. Was, uh, I remember like being like a really cool cover, like the trees and like the branches, and it looked look. It was a very creepy looking okay. atmosphere. Okay. Okay. So the one I'm having today is things we don't say. They're double IPA, which I thought was kind of fitting because they're all trying to figure out in the movie, you know, why Alex did what he did and and whatever. Uh, but um, it's also or why Jake? Not I don't know. Not why Jake did what he did. Um, it's also uh, a really cool local brewery and. It's kind of on the up right now, but so far it might be for me the most consistent brewery of anyone around. Like I've I've tried, I think I've had I've had most every beer that they've released since I <clears throat> found out about them, and every single one's good. Some of them I like more than others, but super consistent. So, and I know they just got um, distribution down to I think New Jersey. So they're they're kind of slowly making their way out of just Massachusetts. They're up in. New Hampshire, Vermont, I believe, and Maine. And uh, I think they're getting down to Connecticut, Rhode Island. They've got through Connecticut, Rhode Island, and now they're down to Jersey. So if you're listening to this and you have access to it and you can find it, I highly recommend Wandering Soul. Um, they have one called The Brightest Star that I really, really like, and then also Ben Don't Break. But this is their double IPA called Things We Don't Say. So <clears throat> we're going like to be watching. That. It's a very fitting, yeah. very fitting for this film for sure. Yeah, it was funny. I, I went to, uh, I was going to go to RMA, the place where we get all the beer. And I was like, what can I get for this movie? And then I was just thinking about it. I was like, oh, that's actually perfect. I was probably going to get something different. And I was like, no, this is the perfect choice for for this one. So um, we're, like we said, we're going to be watching or talking about The Big Chill. I know I've said it a few times over past few months or so, but I've kind of been on a kick for this type of movie where it's like, you know, kind of adult adult life you know you, we, there's all these high school movies and 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 younger movies of, of people not knowing what to do or what went wrong or whatever but this is one of those ones where it's set people in their 30s or 40s and they and they don't know what to do so i like those type of movies and this is probably the most well-known one so we'll start there um we talked about it a little bit before we started recording but what is your memory you said that you're you said that watching it today or yesterday or whenever it was, it, it what didn't line up with your memory, but what is your memory of this one? I mean, honestly, I saw, I saw a salon go. It must've been at my house when I was younger because I thought this movie, I knew what the plot was going into it, but I, it ended up being differently and the scenes ended up unraveling differently than I remembered. So it almost was like watching it for the first time today. So honestly, this whole movie was pretty much fresh with the exception of, the opening, which I still loved and I loved back then. Yes. And the ending, which I, for whatever reason, has always stuck with me. Cool. But everything else in the middle, though, is all fresh. I think people 
our age, so in their 30s-ish, they have a memory of this film because their parents, like our parents' generation, loved this movie. I don't know if your parents specifically do, but I know my father loves this movie. I'm sure I saw it with them originally for the first time, so. Right. Yeah, and, and my first memory of this film is my father having the VHS tape at our old house and, and him telling me it was a great movie and uh, me having absolutely no interest in, in watching it when I was younger. And it, it, it might actually hold the record for the movie that was recommended or suggested to me the most times before I watched it. Just because it was like I was, I didn't want to be forced, but I finally did watch it in my probably like my early twenties or late teens, and I liked it, and I do remember thinking it was very good. But I watched it again, like I said earlier this year, when I was kind of doing that run of all these these type of movies, and uh, like Saint Almost Fire and Kicking and Screaming, etc. And watching it again in my thirties, it was definitely different, and I understood, I understand more why my father and and people liked it because it definitely hits different uh when you when you're in your 30s and you've had friends go through different troubles and whatever than than it does when you're in high school so um do you have any stats as far as how it did financially so the big chill came out on september 28th 1983 with a budget of eight million dollars making 56.4 million in the box office it was written and directed by the legendary lawrence kasdan with help from barbara benedict with the script um, and this cast is insane. So it'll be really fun hearing Eric talk about them in the uh, what were they doing time category yeah. in a few moments. This cast is so insane that I narrowed it down to just a few of them because there's <laughs> well we can we can run through just some of the names, but you know before we even get there, the, some of the the cast of this movie: Tom Berenger, Glenn Close, uh, Kevin Klein, Joe Beth Williams, Jeff Goldblum, Meg Tilly, William Hurt, Mary Kay Place, Kevin Costner, kinda. Yeah. So. <laughs> there's there's um there's quite a, it, it, and it's not just who's in it it's the time of their career um that 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 this is this movie hit them it's kind of like when you you know i know that there's as a hockey fan there's some there's pictures you'll see pictures of like youth hockey teams in canada and it'll be some group of like 12 year olds and it'll have not only five nhlers on it five like superstar nhlers on it and this is kind of what this this one is is it's so many superstar actors and actresses but even behind the scenes you look at lawrence kesden he literally came off star wars the last the return of the jedi right (laughs) and uh, yeah yeah i know it's it's and he was he was he had established himself right some and some of the other people like glenn close had established we'll talk about this later but she'd established herself on stage but as far as in in film this is kind of the beginning of a lot of their careers and it's like oh my god you you struck gold it really um, is a help like they could literally if they if you gave them i don't, I don't want to trash up if you gave them the captain america script oh oh this cast it's like they can literally work with any script and turn it into like this like they're human though joe they're human. <laughs> okay well you know no i'm just saying though no, this cast is so good they can literally turn any script into a great film i feel like any other script other than that? <laughs> I don't know. I'd be. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Kevin Klein running around with the uh, Captain. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Kevin Klein would. Out of, I think out of the, out of the people in this, I think it would have to be. I mean, we're setting aside Kevin Costner because we'll talk about it later. But he doesn't really have much of a role in the film. I think Jeff Goldblum, maybe because he. Needs, I talked about it in the Captain America thing. He he needs more swagger. Tom Berenger, maybe. <laughs> <clears throat> so. But uh, anyway, uh, critically, this movie did 
it's rated kind of well in some places and not as well as I would think by some other places. So IMDb, 7.2 out of 10. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 68%. And 2.5 stars from Ebert, which actually kind of surprised me because this seemed right up Ebert's alley uh, with like the nostalgia and friendship and all that stuff. But he had a quote that um, I took from his review and, it, it, and I can't say I disagree with it. He says, the Big Chill is a, is a splendid technical exercise. It has all the right moves. It knows all the right words. Its characters have all the right clothes, expressions, fears, lusts, and ambitions. But there's no payoff, and it doesn't lead anywhere. Which I don't agree with 100%, but I can see what he's saying a little bit. And we'll, we'll get into that later on when we talk about that. But um, So we, we mentioned a little bit uh, earlier, but what's going on at that time in the world? not a great year in film <laughs> i looked at some other movies that came out that month and the only one that i even really recognized was eddie and the cruisers that's it not much else outside of film also kind of a a light month larry holmes won the heavyweight belt from scott frank ricky henderson steals 100 bases for the third straight season uh arnold schwarzenegger became a u.s citizen which congrats arnold and vanessa williams was crowned the first um african-american miss america so Congrats to Vanessa Williams, uh, but not not a big month. And, and then the usual, you know, murders and yeah, negative stuff. But uh, do you have the uh, back of the DVD summary just to let people know what what the big chill is about if they haven't seen it? I do. A once close knit gang of friends, including an actor, a doctor, and her husband, a Vietnam veteran, and the journalist, meets for a weekend after the funeral of their much envied friend Alex, who committed suicide. The friends spend the weekend confronting their personal truths, sacrifices, and betrayals that have left them disenchanted. Each must contend with unresolved issues they have with Alex and with one another. Yeah, and that's um, that's that's a pretty good summary, I think. Is that an actual back of the DVD summary, or is that a? It wasn't a, a direct quote from the thing. It was through um, IMDb, which I think might have been a user upload. But I thought going through the list, this was the best one that kind of summed up everything pretty easily. Okay, cool. And pretty well. But yeah, no, like you said, it sums up. I remember, I didn't realize what their jobs were other than the actor. So, like, that gave me a little more information than what I remember seeing in the film. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to, it's funny that you say that because we're going to talk about that a little bit with, um, with the difference between movies today and, and movies back then and when we grew up and, and whatever. But so some, some people going uh, and how they were dealing or how they were going into the film. We touched on Glenn Close a little bit. And mentioned that she started on stage, first appeared on film in 82. And how's this first start? So she has World According to Garp in 82, uh, Big Chill, so this film in 83, The Natural in 84, all three earning her nominations for Best Supporting Actress. Then she has Fatal Attraction in 87, Dangerous Liaisons in 88, both of which earned her nominations for Best Actress. So, and, and there might have been some other ones, you know, in between there, but what what a start to a career huh she could That's... have given uh helen Merritt a run for her money <laughs> yeah and she she is one of those people one of the names you hear when people talk about um best actress and and of all time i mean she's she's one of the one of the greats of all time um jeff goldblum who he he wasn't as he compared i mean it's tough to follow tough act to follow with glenn then after glenn close but he had supporting roles in uh invasion of the body snatchers in 78 and then he had this in 83 and then The Fly in 86, Deep Cover in 92, Jurassic Park in 93, Independence Day in 96. So 
this came out in 83. He took a little bit longer to really pick up. He had some other, other films in between, obviously, but he's, he's kind of, Jeff Goldblum is one of my favorites. Do you know the, the fun fact about Jeff Goldblum and my wife and I, not the, not actual Jeff Goldblum, but, oh. No. So my wife and I, is like first date was we went to, we went downtown and we thought, I think we thought we were going to see another band and we thought they were playing at this bar that used to be in downtown called the Chit Chat. <clears throat> and we walked in and there's another band playing and we almost left. We were like, all right, you know, this is, this is stupid. I'm sorry. I messed this up. We're going to leave. The band that was playing was called Jeff Goldblum and they were a nineties cover band and they played everything like the kid the, the singer of this group was amazing because they i think they started with zombie by the cranberries and he nailed it but then he'd play like a sublime song and nail it and then he'd play a gin blossom song like very, diver- very diverse <laughs> oh they were so good <clears throat> and they saw we saw them i think one other time my wife saw them another time but then they just kind of fell off but they were so good but so yeah that's my my tie to jeff goldblum <laughs> Even though I've never Jeff met him. He's, 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 like a, he's such a fan favorite. I'm convinced the likes we got on that post today was because we, we hashtag Jeff Goldblum in that. People do love Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yeah. I, I like him too. I don't I don't know what it is really either. I mean, I love him in Independence Day. He just seems like a he seems like a normal person, which is rare in Hollywood. So And he gets some fun interviews. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard them on Conan O'Brien, but oh, yeah. he yep. gives some fun interviews. Yeah, he's like I mean like that's what I mean. He seems like even though he's a famous actor, it seems like you could talk to him and he wouldn't be, he doesn't, he's not so full of himself, you know? Yeah. Um, also William Hurt. Like I said, I, I narrowed down the, uh, I could do, we could talk for an hour about all of the main cast members, but I narrowed it down to just a few. So William Hurt, who, I don't know about you, but for our generation, do you feel like I, I almost, you almost forget how impressive William Hurt's career is was absolutely um, yeah i think we kind of just missed his his prime prime you know i mean yeah like i still when i think about william hurt i shouldn't be thinking about this film with him but i think of warship down so like that's like and i know he has a way better filmography than warship down but it's just yeah. like kind of like you said we just kind of missed all of his actual worthy film <laughs> not that yes. Washington down isn't worthy but no, I know. Yeah. So he had, he had Alter States in, in 1980. He got the Golden Globe uh, for Best New Actor nominee. He had Eyewitness in 81, Body Heat uh, in 81, where he first teamed up with Kasdan. Then he had this in, in uh, 83, Kiss of the Spider Woman in 85, Academy Award for Best Actor, um, and quite a few other movies. Uh, Children of uh, Lesser God in 86, Best Actor nominee, Broadcast News uh, Academy Award nominee for Best Actor. He also teamed up with Kaz in 88 and 90 for the accidental horror, accidental tourist. And I love you to death. And then, like you said, he's, he's had a bunch of other movies that you've probably, or we've both seen, whether it's, you know, or he's been a part of like into the wild or some other ones, Robin hood, uh, the incredible Hulk, whatever. So some more impressive than others, but quite the career. And I, and I bet you, if you ask most people our age, who, you know, if they thought William Hurt had was really had that much of a resume, it surprised me i'll be honest yeah so we just kind of missed it and then kevin klein also like Lynn close he started on stage then he had sophie's choice in 82 this in 83 fish called wanda uh in 88 where he got uh, academy award for best supporting actor he had dave in 93 
the ice storm in 97. And then he's kind of maybe as much or more than all the other, um, than the other people we've talked about. He seems to have kind of resigned himself to it. I'm not, he's, he's gone down a little bit as far as role choice. He still makes some decent movies, but he seems to be less picky. That's what I'll say. He's less picky. Than we'll never guys. forgive him for a wild, wild west. <laughs> that, that it's, I, I had a note about that where it's like he just he bust just got to a point where he was like all right i got my i got my money um you know you know whatever i'll take it he was in orange county though which i low-key i think that movie's so funny i haven't watched it in forever so it, it might not be true and lawrence uh, uh orange county was directed by lawrence uh, uh kaz lawrence kazan's son that's Jay. right so that's a cool cool tie and then uh, Lawrence Kasdan. So, like you said, so movies. He, he's a co-writer of of the Star Wars films, The Empire Strikes Back, Return of Jedi. Just those two. He's not not the New Hope. Um, I'm curious. No, but... no, not not New Hope. Okay. And then some of the uh, The Force Awakens and Solo. And he also co-wrote uh, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, writer director of Body Heat, uh, Big Chill, The Accent of the Tourist. So, unreal. Unreal career. Wyatt Earp, as far as directing, he has uh, Wyatt Earp, Dreamcatcher, uh, this, the Big Chill, Body Heat, I Love You to Death. So another. It's pretty, it's pretty cool, too. He actually returned for Solo, a Star Wars story, years later with his son, Jonathan, and they wrote the script together. So right. it's really cool. Oh, I didn't like, know they wrote it together. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So yeah, he he might, him, well, tough to compete with Glenn Close, but. Other than Glenn Close, as far as people involved in this film, he might have the most impressive career. And William Hurt. William Hurt's. Yeah. Lawrence helped change cinema forever. And like that's a big statement to say. Those movies he's been involved with, huge. One of the, um, I wish I could shout them out because uh, I'd love to give them the exposure. But one of the Instagram, I could actually figure it out while we're talking. One of the Instagram um, that we, Instagram accounts that we follow with the word to leave the Instagram, he, put up a thing today of, of ranking he had ranked steven that. spielberg movies yes and was the movie guy 76 i think or that movie... sounds that's yeah the movie guy seven yeah so the underscore movie underscore guy 76 <clears throat> and he ranked his his favorite spielberg films and i commented and i said you know it's such a tough thing to do because he the guy spielberg has so many insane movies that no matter what you do if you do a top 10 list there's going to be someone that you're going to be mad about something. And like, I told him, I think he had saving, uh, saving Private Ryan, like six or seven. And I was like, I personally would have that a couple higher, but at the same time, the movies he put ahead of it, you can't argue with it. It's just, there's so much, so much greatness. I don't know, but I guess we got turned from Indiana Jones to the Indiana Jones is the connector there. So do you have anything for, uh, for random facts? I have, so I have a, I have a couple, um, Flashback scenes with Kevin Costner as Alex Marshall were filmed, but then cut out of the movie, which was really interesting because I could have sworn he is in one scene beginning and going into this movie, not knowing that at all. It was, I'm not sure where his his career was at this point, but still, it's really cool seeing a big name like Kevin Costner being cut entirely from the film. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of the, I think I was saying before we start recording, that's one of the more well-known like, did you know it's about the big chill is that, you know, yeah. Kevin Costner was involved and he was supposed to be a shot of him, his corpse and everything. And they, in the casket and they cut it out. And they cut, yeah. It's, and yeah. then kind of going more into that fans have long clamored to see Costner's footage of several sequences showing Alex Marshall's life prior to his suicide. 
but in documentaries and interviews since, Lawrence Kazan has never shown anything more than still photographs from the location shoot. Kazan has also refused to do any sort of director's cut, saying that the version of the film as it is um, has stood since 1983 and it is his director's cut and will not be augmented. So he is from this is the movie that he wanted to make and tell, which is awesome. I kind of like that. Yeah. 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 And I mean, you know, the movies, this movie is very people love this this film. So it's, you know. Absolutely. And I mean, I made a comment too. I love knowing anything about Alex. I love House right. of Mystery as, for the viewer as well. The, the actors and characters don't know, neither do we. We're all in the, right. we're all in this together. Right. And that helps to the whole, like everyone's trying to figure out why it happened, what happened, yes. et cetera. So. And the last like, thing I have is, um, which I thought was really cool. The main cast of characters in this movie, they lived together for a few weeks before filming began to, so they can all bond and make that feel like a natural friendship. And it absolutely did. I saw that and I saw also that Kazan wanted them to. There was one night where he had the cast cook a dinner together and he left. He, he was basically like, you guys cook a dinner together. I don't want to be here because he didn't want them. He didn't want it to feel like he was telling them what to do. He wanted them to just get together, cook a dinner. And like you said, like build that chemistry and and, and all that. So yeah, no, that is pretty cool. And it, it like you said, it worked out because they, they do feel like they know they know each other on yeah. on screen. So. I feel like at this point, like that would never happen. Like that would really happen with money, with studio money at this day and age. But Lawrence Kazan at this point in time, I feel like he could have filmed his own bar mitzvah with all the success he's had before this. So it's like well, what he says goes at this point. Well, I agree with you. And I I think part of it is is the other thing that we said. These people were still relatively early in their film career. Like if, if you tried to do that now to the biggest actors and actresses in the world, they would probably tell you to go pound sand. But like you said, and, and that's one of the things I actually wrote down. So a, a weird fact about this is that every studio in Hollywood wanted to work with Kazan. Like you said, he, he had just wrote The Empire Strikes Back and Raised the Lost Ark. And uh, he got a chance to direct script with Body Heat in 81. And after its success, a lot of studios wanted to draft him onto their teams. But the thing they didn't want is he said he wanted to make a, a dialogue heavy ensemble movie about complicated old relationships clashing after a mutual friend's suicide. And they, they didn't want any part of that. So it was like, they wanted him to write the next Indiana Jones or the next empire strikes back type movie. They were uncomfortable with this. So it's interesting, but yeah, thankfully it wasn't a flop. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> And uh, then the last random fact I have is a Kazan drew from his experience boarding at the Eugene V. Debs Cooperative House at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor to color the character, color in the characters who, for the weekend, are essentially living a co-op experience. So a lot of the characters are kind of based on real friends that he had or, or has in, in life. And I think that's always the, the best way to do it. So um, I did you have anything written down for stuff that wouldn't fly in today's like today's millennium environment? Not really. Like, nothing in this movie I don't think would offend anyone other than the fact that some of the people are kind of shitty. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't, unless I missed anything, I didn't see anything that was like particularly like racist or yeah. homophobic, which is usually what you get from movies of this generation that wouldn't fly today. I, um, I agree. There, there was some sketchy stuff that would, but it would still be frowned upon today, like cheating on your husband or wife or sleeping with your, your friends your dead friend's girlfriend or yeah. ex-girlfriend. Some I don't free, some, for that. Some <clears throat> interesting friends. Some in, an, an yeah. interesting group there for yeah. sure. 
one thing that I that did it's not not offensive in any way, but it definitely aged the film is uh the recording equipment. Like when they when he was <laughs> the cameras were like the size of you know, I don't even know, like microwaves, it seems the like built in microphone or everything on the end of it yeah, there, and like the yeah. giant yeah, that was fun. <laughs> but not in an offensive way. Um yeah. what did you have written down for your favorite scene? I really liked a few scenes in this film. I love uh, in the beginning when everyone is exiting the funeral, they go to the church and by the end of it, the piano version of you can't always get what you want yes. is playing. And then the transition to the original song as everyone leaves the church, we get um, quick glimpses at the characters in different cars and a little taste of who they are. Um, really brief. The dialogue is quick in that scene. I love the constant cuts to all the cars and everyone as the songs uh, playing the background Probably my favorite scene in the film. Um, I also really enjoy the scene when they're all cleaning up together after dinner and they somehow make it look like a super fun activity when they're all dancing and enjoying their company and uh, yep. <laughs> they all took a role in that. And I I know Roger Ebert didn't like this as much, but I kind of did. I loved how this film ended. We're not sure what these characters will be doing or if it'll take another death within the group to bring them all together again, but we know how much they truly love each other. And that little scene at the end sort of reiterates that one last time because they've been through it all together this whole week. They've been in fights. They're dealing with the death. They have their own personal problems. And while they, you know, of course, they're going to fight. There's going to be tension. They, like, it's almost like nothing happened the following morning. They're happy again. They're going off on um, better terms. So I loved how that ending kind of very, it's kind of ambiguous in a positive yep. way. Yep. And it's, and it's realistic too. Like as much right. as, you want it to be you feel like there should be this big climax ending or some that's not usually how it works out so right we can get we can get a you know a little bow on the a little bow on top of like the ending we can get a four resolution it's ambiguous and it gets you thinking and talking you know right yeah no, no my i agree with you my, my favorite scene was the funeral scene and karen playing uh you can't she starts to play you can't always get what you want on the organ after they said it was uh his favorite song and then the transition of that into the Rolling Stones version as the, as they drive to the, like to the funeral and to the house after is as smooth of a transition soundtrack wise, as you will find in any, any film. And it, it, it's, it's, it's perfect. It sets up the story and it introduces, like you said, it gives you just like a little taste of each character of the important characters. And it's, it's perfect. Um, so that would, that was what I had written down. One thing I do have to mention though, is, uh, this is something that because of a lot of my friends do this. Whenever I see a scene, whether it's a scene in a film or in real life, people smoking weed in a car or wherever they are on the way to an important event, I think of how a lot of people who smoke weed are completely unaware of how strong the smell of weed is. <laughs> like, and, and, and so the whole time all I was thinking, I was like, you're going to show up to the guy's funeral, to his burial, I mean, like, reeking of weed that just stuck out to me but no problem with weed you know i don't smoke really but it's not my i don't smoke at all but it's not my thing but no problem with it but it just it just jumps out to me on film because I've, I've seen it so many times with my friends where i'm like we'll be on the way to like a wedding and they're smoking weed and i'm like guys you kind of stink like but anyway um probably the easiest question i'm going to ask you about this film soundtrack did you like it pretty pretty good <laughs> it's uh it's all music that's it's all music that's timeless yeah. that I grew up listening to with my parents and still listen to because of my parents. We have Temptations, Marvin Gaye, Beach Boys, Rolling yep. Stones. We have yep. it is an insane yep. it's an insane lineup. And I can't I piece of me like really wants to know like between the actors, I know there are 
kind of rising the time. Between the action and the soundtrack, though, how much the budget went into all of this? Because it is so good. I do wonder that, but I, I also, I think soundtracks are different then. Like they probably as far were, as co- yeah. as far as cost goes, because right. you see that now with 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 like when they redo um, with, when they re-release the Wonder Years on online. It, like they can't use the original stuff and i was actually it's funny another this is so weird this is just coming up again but another instagram account we follow um it's something about songs and movies like the song from that scene or something they shared a scene from uh dawson's creek and then i guess if you watch dawson what is dawson's creek on right now netflix or netflix. prime netflix yeah, netflix so i guess if you watch dawson's creek on netflix it doesn't have the i don't want to wait theme song Oh, I know that. <clears throat> I haven't fact checked it, so if I'm wrong, I'm like, wrong. But... Like I said, that happens quite a bit. Even did you ever watch the show uh, Daria on MTV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they put that on DVD as well, and that is uh, they couldn't obtain the rights to half the music in that, so it's all new music. Which yeah, sucks, that's but, tough. Yeah, that's tough. But yeah, like you said, so I think as far as cost wise, that might have helped. This is that this is an '83. If you tried to make a movie yeah. like this now, this this soundtrack would cost you. I don't even know. I don't even know what the soundtrack would cost you. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's it's one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. And I don't even, I don't think that's even that's not exaggeration at all. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, if you could change one thing about this about this movie, what would you change? Uh, this one's hard because my biggest problem was that there's a lot happening here. All these characters are brought together because of Alex's death, which we know nothing about, and I like that. But most of these characters have their own personal problems on top of the one they all share together, and it becomes a lot. Um, I didn't even know half their names by the time the film was over, and I wish they chose only a few characters with personal problems to focus on while the entire group learns how to deal with Alex's mysterious suicide instead of the total number they did in the film. There's just a lot to keep up with and balance yep. between the characters and what their problem was again. Um, but Again, that it's not. It didn't make the film drag or anything. It's just a lot to kind of keep track of. Yeah, no, it's fast. It, it, yeah, so that I agree with that. So I have two things that I would change. The first one is the most important, and that's Kevin Klein's running shorts. He's got to get those longer. <laughs> it was like, dude. But I know that was the I know it was the close of the of the time or whatever. But seriously, I and I don't know how this would have worked. And I agree with you about not not feeling the need to include Kevin Costner. Um, like flashback scenes, but I wouldn't have minded some some flashback scenes from because and I, and I think that that is because I want like I wonder how this film would do today because with cell phones and social media, people, myself included, are a lot more visual and have a lot less patience and attention span for like in-depth dialogue. And I think that sucks, but it's true. And, and a lot of this stuff, like the problems you were having, I was having the same, I have the same problems. You almost have to like, you can't watch this movie for the first time or even the first time in a long time and have your phone anywhere near you. You can't, you have to be like in the film. You have to yeah. be 100%. You, you almost want to see in the theater so you can't be distracted. Yeah, this is one of those films that would either benefit from less problems and less characters or a longer runtime. Yeah, 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 no, I agree. Um, so yeah, no, but, but I, it's, it, I was glad you said that about the flashbacks earlier, but I don't know if that, if that tweak would, would help, but I totally agree with you. And it's, it's, it's more of a knock on my attention span than it is the film. So, um, all that said, uh, we've come to the, the point of the program. If you listen before, you know, we, 
rate movies on a scale of, of one to five, would you mind paying a lady to keep this movie? So a score of one uh, is you're going to get 15 minutes in the movie, 10 minutes in the movie and turn it off or turn it before they even finish the, the funeral and the burial scene, which if you don't get through that scene, you, you can stop listening to the podcast <laughs> if you don't like that scene. But all the way up to a five, which is you're going to watch it, keep it an extra day or two. You're willing to pay the late fee so you can show it to a friend, maybe even just buy it from the video rental store. So it's my pick. So uh, Joe, what are you going to, what's your score for the big chill? I'm giving it a 3.5. I went into this film thinking I remembered more than I actually did. The cast is amazing and probably carry, like I mentioned before, they probably carry anything you write them, but thankfully they had the talented Lawrence Kasdan to supply the content. It's a movie about old friends reuniting under the worst possible circumstance and their own challenges they're facing on top of everything else. While I wish we weren't focusing on so many characters and their personal problems, I really did enjoy this this dramedy. After you mentioned it, it really did kind of hit me. <clears throat> this really does look like as someone who went to school for screenwriting and all that, it really did feel like one long act too, in a way, because nothing really mm-hmm. happens in the middle of it. And that's interesting. Like I liked it, but we're seeing a film kind of get away with that, how it's one giant act almost. Right. And there's like you can't really separate easily separate <clears throat> act one from act two to act three. So I give Lawrence Kazan credit for breaking the typical formula that writers do kind of you know follow and just right. do his own thing right no no that's true i agree with that so i'm gonna give i have a little bit to say about it so i'm gonna give my score right away and then and then say what i have to say so i gave this movie i know we hate to do this but i had to use the 0.25 thing i gave this a 3.75 out of five and i struggled on this one because i give it credit for being kind of a trendsetter trendsetter when it comes to to films like we said, covering this part of life, whether it's post-college or high school, you know, adult life. Um, movies like Diner did it before The Big Chill, so I, that gets some credit as well. But movies like St. Almost Fire, Kicking and Screaming, About Last Night, etc., maybe wouldn't have happened. If not, they would they would have definitely been different without this, this one. Um, but I think this film is very good, but not perfect, like a lot of people think it is. And I think the soundtrack is perfect. And that helps it a lot. Like, I, I think a lot of people that say they love the big chill don't, I, sh- I don't want to say that because I love the big chill, but I think a lot of people that think the big chill is perfect really are kind of remembering the soundtrack. And like you said earlier, the dancing in the kitchen scene, the funeral scene, and, and that's really what they're, they're thinking of. And it, cause it does help a lot. Um, I also think that if I was from the baby boomer generation, I may like it a little bit more. And I'm sure there are movies that I love and people 10 years younger or older than me might just like, or they may not even like it at all, but it's just, it's, it's kind of like my sweet spot for when I grew up. Um, so now that that's all done, uh, good stuff besides a soundtrack. I, I, I love films that help you realize that some things don't change like the John Hughes films and other do it for, for high school generation and Sandlot and stand by me do it for early high school kids or middle school kids. The big chill points out some things that are constant for people in their late twenties, early to mid thirties, forties, whatever. The fashions changed, music's changed obviously, but people do still compare themselves to the people they went to high school or college with. We still assume that people that have more money are fine and people with less money aren't doing well. They still feel pressure to meet someone, get married, have kids, etc. cetera. Um, I don't think everyone experiences every single one of those things. Uh, and they definitely, ex- affect some people more than others but they're all there and and i don't think that'll ever change and no matter what we do we're always going to feel some pressure at different points of our life so 
if a movie or a song or a TV show or whatever can make you realize you're not the first and only person to go through that, I think that's that's pretty awesome. So I um yeah, I, I it's weird. I going into this movie, I almost assumed it was gonna be like a four and a half or something like that. And it, but it was refreshing to go back and rewatch it and to be able to say, I still really like this movie. It's just not perfect. You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. So this is a surprise. I didn't tell you before we started recording, but bonus question for you. So the kids in this movie are supposed to have kind of like grown up in in the 60s-ish. And since the 60s are such an important decade in American history, a lot of films are set in the 60s. There are just so many topics that are worth covering, whether it's you know civil rights, Vietnam, political assassinations, um, Summer of Love, all that stuff. So my question to you is, I was thinking about this while I was watching this, uh, watching A Big Chill. It's very early, but I feel like the time we're in now will be another big time, like down the road. So whatever side you're on, it doesn't matter. Just crazy, crazy times. And it'll be interesting interesting to see if in like 20 years, kids that are in high school now are making movies about, because you know how like, there are still movies being made today about the 60s or about people that were affected by the 60s. And I think that this time right now is a similar thing absolutely we're experiencing a lot of firsts right now between things just this week that's happened between last wednesday and <laughs> this wednesday we're facing a lot of firsts we have like you said a lot of changes happening um a lot of people using their voice and speaking yeah. up and it's it's gonna be it like you said i can definitely see this becoming a huge moment in future films right and and, and just when we watch these movies i mean we see you'll watch a movie that was made in 1998 and one thing that sticks out to me a lot is like the the homophobic stuff the 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 difference in you know what a gay person went through not that it's they still go through issues which is which sucks but the difference between what they went through in 1998 compared to now it's like a totally different world so it just seems like a, the everything's moving right now and i think it's going to make for some impressive movies tv shows music etc down the road so Absolutely. yeah that was just one thing i thought of when i was watching this so um the beer from wandering soul is amazing uh things we, uh, things you don't say delicious like i said earlier check check them out if you have access to it um and then in closing follow us on instagram worth a late fee suggestions are always welcome follow our story too we're trying to do some more polls and questions and stuff so feedback's always appreciated We'll be back next week, and it's it's Joe's pick. We're going back and forth. So, Joe, uh, what are we going to be talking about next week? We're going to be revisiting the uh, 80s Stallone classic. What is it? What do you think it is? The 80s Stallone classic. You want me to really guess? Yeah, just guess. Throw, throw a name out there. <laughs> what uh, do you got? Um, <laughs> the spot, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I, want, I want now over the top. Yes. All really? Right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's awesome that I guess that I was going to guess. Um, oh, what was I going to guess? Ah, damn it. I, I, no. Okay. That's awesome. I'm pumped. That's awesome. So, yep. Looking forward to rewatching that one. So that is uh, not what I, th- you mentioned a movie off air last week and I thought you were going to do that, which I would have been pumped about too, but over the tops even better. Where where can one find over the top? Is that available on? I'll find it either way. I'll, if not, I have the Blu-ray, so you will get your hands on I'll, it regardless. I'll, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, I think this will be our this is our first Stallone movie, right? Yeah, I think it is. Which yep. I'm sure he'd be disappointed that that's um took 43 episodes. <laughs> right, right. All right. Well, I'm excited. Can't wait.
Thank you guys for listening. And we'll be back next week with Over the Top. As always, thank you. <laughs>